Some people claim that the atrocities we commit in our fiction are those inner desires which we cannot commit in our controlled civilization. So they are expressed instead through our art. I don't agree. I believe heaven and hell are one and the same. The soul belongs to heaven and the body to hell. Welcome to the Blasphemous Cinema Podcast. I'm your host, Jake, and with me today is, of course, my trustworthy co-host, Addison. How are you doing today, Addison? I'm doing just great, Jake. How are you? You know, I'm doing good, too, and that is absolutely phenomenal. We are sitting here today talking about the 1997 experimental drama film, Gumo, directed by the one and only Harmony Korine. And what a movie this is. Um, it tells the tale of, um, several, like a bunch of people living in this, um, town called Zena, Ohio, and it's a Midwestern American town that has been devastated by tornadoes and it's a very poor town. Um, very, very not well upkept. Um, and there's a lot of fucked up shit going on basically. And, um. And, you know, going into the film, I heard a lot of a lot of stuff basically just saying that this movie is downright horrific, um, disgusting, sadistic. Once again, I am in the dark on this disturbing content. And and I honestly think that it wasn't as fucked as I thought it was going to be. But there's still some really disturbing things. I feel that. that. um, But, yeah. Um, this is kind of an only movie that like I can only see like a couple of filmmakers doing, but like it's a collage style throughout most of the movie, and it's it fixed like I couldn't see anyone else but Harmony Korine like actually like doing this. It's I can see a couple other filmmakers, but it's like this is definitely a Harmony Korine film, and you know um, I'm kind of sitting like I honestly don't know. How, what i would rate this right now i am very much going back and forth in my head um you can't overall, figure it out can you <laughs> no i can't um it's definitely one of a kind but i'm definitely glad i watched it um give me your thoughts Addison. uh the i'm kind of with the you in the same boat i feel like it was overhyped on the disturbing content i think it was more uncomfortable than it was mm-hmm. disturbing uh, and I think there's a lot of symbolism, and I do think there's a lot of in-depth stuff. But yeah, there is. And I'll get into more of that when we actually get into the spoiler territory of the plot. But uh, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling like it's a kind of like a three-star film. It's good, but I mean, I think there's a lot of empty space in there also, and it's just yeah. It has all that you know usual harmony, Korean, just weirdness and. Just not very clean, cleanly, I guess is what you'd say. It's a yeah, it just it's looks very gross. dirty movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a very gross and dirty. But it's movie. not disturbing. It just makes you feel off put. I guess is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, also, I want to mention, um, which I'll be talking about more later. But um, one of my favorite aspects of this movie is definitely the soundtrack. It rain. It ranges like from the opposite end of the spectrum to the complete polar opposite. And, um, a lot of, you know, you got choices. Yeah. I mean, like you got, um, Jesus loves me. Then you got extreme metal black and death. And it's just like, dude, like, and it all just fits so perfectly. Harmony Korine knows what he's doing. And it's, Overall, with the like the collage style, it does so well in that way, which is like almost every single time that you get a song accompanied by the collage style, it almost like it fits like perfectly in what you would see for a music video for that song. And yeah, this movie and didn't do well. <laughs> what all. you mean the box office? <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um. So it was on a budget of 1.3 million and only made back 116,000 at the box office. Its budget was yeah. that big? Yeah. And I think it probably it's probably, you know, most of it does the budget account for like 
music and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure yeah. it went to most yeah. of buying the so they could pay the artists yeah. to use the songs. Yeah, I mean, because like there's a, I forgot what song it was. There's a song by Madonna and stuff like that. So, yeah, it probably most um, the budget, like ninety percent, probably went to that. Yeah, and you know, so you know, after I finished watching it, you know, I was kind of sitting there thinking to myself, is this going to be a movie where I don't give a rating to like house that Japanese experimental horror film was definitely a movie that I couldn't give a rating to. And I was kind of sitting at that same spot with Gumo. Um, but as we're talking a little bit, at least when I'm actually having someone else to talk about it, I think I'm going to, probably sit around the range of a three-star movie i don't love it but it's just it, there's like a lot of really cool ideas here and there's definitely stuff like you know like hey i appreciate that even though i might not be the biggest fan of it yeah that's the way i feel about it and there's a lot of good stuff in there but there's also a lot of empty space in there too and there's a like especially like what we'll be talking about about is like there is a lot of very deep themes here and for some people who maybe just watch it and just like kind of off put by it might not get into that all that much, but there is a lot of thought that's put into this movie. And what I learned is, you know, this is, this movie was shot in four weeks and apparently most of it was shot in the last day of filming. I could believe that. Which is really cool. Yeah. Which is really cool to think about, but yeah. All right. So those are kind of our reviews, our quick thoughts on it. Um, I feel like Harmony Kareen has that kind of Terrence Malick style of directing where it's all very spontaneous. I feel like he's that yes. kind of director. He is. And I it's kind of weird because like it's almost like a thing like it's like polar opposites but are the same thing as well, you know what I mean? Like they're both very different filmmakers in their subject matter, but they both have like yeah, like you said that very sporadic after life on life terms yeah yeah i mean it, mm-hmm. i feel it like just looking yeah. like watching it and i also feel like harmony kareen doesn't bathe just by watching his movies doesn't bathe no he doesn't <laughs> bathe i don't believe he yeah. does he's a dry shampoo kind of guy yeah he looks like he doesn't bathe either <laughs> so <laughs> um all right so those were our quick thoughts um we're both seeing around the same rating around a three most likely and um this is where we get into the full in-depth stuff. You know the drill. So, spoilers beware, starting now. Okay. So, the movie opens up with um, the young boy, Solomon, who narrates the events that the tornado, in a collage style, um, the tornado that destroyed this town, Xena. And, you know, he's telling a lot about... Um, basically the whole events that happened during it like you there was a lot of pets died in very gruesome ways you even have like pictures of a dog impaled on a fucking satellite thing and just like people finding arms on their roofs roofs and stuff like that it's i was like okay here we go (laughs) like which i mean that sets up like the whole movie too because the movie is fragmented the whole movie comes out like that, kind of like you said in that collage style. And I feel like yeah. that opening introduction about the tornado ripping the whole town to shreds and it never recovered. It's like Harmony's basically telling you this is how the film is going to be. Also, it's all just ripped to shreds. Pretty essentially. Much, yeah. Yeah. And Harmony Kareen said that like he like going in, like he, he was intended to be like a full on, like straightforward narrative story. Um, like chronological and stuff like that but like when it came to the editing process like it is more just like he wanted to be like non-linear and basically just look at everyone in this town and their lives and you know that's exactly what this film is um so then right after that um after they talk about how this town ended up um you get introduced to one of the reoccurring characters rabbit um who's wearing only um basically just shorts pink bunny ears and um tennis shoes and you know he's messing around on an overpass in the rain you know um pissing over the overpass just doing random shit trying like banging on the the chain rails and just and this is where like you get all the like the um 
the title cards and everything. And it's all really like I love like the black metal aesthetic with the fonts mm-hmm. and everything. I was thinking the same thing. And, yeah. And I was just like, okay, here we go. I actually really like because like, you know, there's just like so many different like there's so many different ideas that come together in a way that like, it's actually a lot better than what you might think. Like you have the black metal aesthetic, then you got just like a poppy aesthetic for some scenes. And it's just like on paper, you might not think that they go well, but like, actually it's like very bad. Ba- Harmony Korean balances all very it has well. It's a very old timey aesthetic too, with some of the music. Yeah, it also. does. It plays old school kind of vintage music. Mm-hmm. It really is like, the same way as the narrative like fragmented and all collided yeah like it's mixing so much stuff together and i don't even think rabbit says a word throughout the entitled run he doesn't because he's he's actually mute oh he's mute yeah he's mute and um you know like going off what you were saying is just like when harmony Korean. like i was looking at a bunch of stuff about um him talking about this movie and you know he kind of wanted like that old vintage style you, you got people in like metallica shirts um um poison cut off <laughs> and like you know like a bunch of that stuff and it plays into like you know the pop culture around that time um and how especially like you know like a rundown town like this would still be very much into it and like actually show it a lot yeah um, they're very regressed they haven't really evolved yeah. that much yeah, for sure. And so we this is where um you get like a little glimpse of like the kind of like the overarching little plot within the film is that you get introduced um to Tomer, Tomler. I don't, I don't even Tomler. know how you say it either. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. So you got one of the main characters who's um carrying a cat by its neck and drowns it in a barrel of water and um then it cuts to a different scene of um tumbler in a wrecked car with a girl as you know he's filling up on her and he just basically tell tells her like they're in like this really like it's a crack like a really wrecked car and like this like probably like just random ass um yeah it's definitely abandoned like, like a junkyard site and you know he's fondling her boobs and he tells her just straight up there's a lump in your breast and then that's basically the scene then it immediately cuts to um tumblr and solomon riding down the hill on their bikes to the song um dragonaut by sleep oh my god i love the way this song and the scene is edited it kind of like it gives a feel of like you know when you're kids and like you're riding down on your bikes and you kind of just feel badass and like the song goes perfectly into that and you're just like riding through the neighborhood and stuff like that it did fit perfectly um, it did and so solomon describes tumblr as a boy with um a marvelous persona who some people would call him like downright evil yeah and and you really get you really see that throughout the whole film um you know and so at like you see that they're riding around their bikes with um air rifles um they're very obviously very dirty and you know they're riding around um apparently what you figure out is like they're riding around trying to find cats to kill and you know they try to they are aiming at this house cat um but they you know we gotta leave it it's a house cat it's it's someone's owner it was foot foot. like that (laughs) yeah his name is foot foot um her name is foot foot and which i think foot foot is the most important part of the entire movie (laughs) that's that was what my theory runs around I I knew you were gonna like that cat. Well, I, I knew think, you were gonna well, like I just, it. I just feel like that cat that was the catalyst for the movie, and it started the whole thing. And then once we, you know, once moving forward, I'll explain it. But I honestly believe that Foot Foot is like the whole pendulum of the movie. <laughs> That's interesting, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that because I didn't think about it in that way. But 
that's interesting. So basically they leave and then the cat follows, um, the cat goes back into the owner's house and, you know, you finally get to see like how dirty and not well kept like the houses are in this area. Like this house is like, it's rough. A hoard, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you got, it's basically like a hoarder's nightmare in a way. It's like everything is just random, disgusting, and yeah, just like you'd like you'd get your skin would crawl just like being there, like entire, and like even though I don't kind of yeah sheltered. Like, it's, it's more like, like I don't than houses. Yeah, like I don't even have OCD, but like it made me feel like I did, and just like I don't want to like look at this. Like it's so visually uncomfortable. Yeah, and. So basically you get to meet another set of characters, which is these three girls, um, two older ones and then one smaller one. Um, they find the cat and then they're like, you know, one of them's, um, well, what's her, how do you pronounce her name? Chloe Savini. Yeah. She's like, she's famous now, but I don't know. I don't think she was famous when the movie was made. No. And so, um, well, she, kind of i guess because i don't know not really but you know she was in kids beforehand and so yeah i remember her in kids but i just don't think she was like a big star yet yeah yeah for sure um and she was like she was very down to make this movie with kareen and you know she's like to foot foot like you know she seems pregnant and they flip her over on her back and you know they're Start investigating for all the, yeah, they're investigating all the science to see if she's pregnant and basically say, you know, if she's pregnant, we're gonna have to drown the kittens in the river, which is the most random thing ever. Why wouldn't you just let them run free if you're just gonna drown them? I know it's, I was like, that damn, that's cruel. (laughs) Okay, then they then they cut to them, like, you know, um, experimenting um with their boobs and how to make them bigger and stuff basically like putting like electrical tape over their nipples and you know d- yeah which i had never heard of that either <laughs> nope and so you know it um the film like cuts back to tomler and Sol- solomon hunting for cats um you know they kill a couple and then they grab a huge bag and bring it to the local grocery store. Which is just awful. <laughs> it, bl- it, it just blows my mind. Like, I couldn't believe, like, what was going on. So they go to this l- local grocery store, and they sell them to a butcher who tends to sell them to a local restaurant. And basically, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to give you $13 for 13 pounds of cat. And um, the grocery um guy tells them that there's there's a they have a little rival in the cat killing business around town um gerard but what I was yeah what i was like thinking about like when is it literally just for the fact that like there's a lot of stray cats in this area that they feel the need to kill them off like i don't understand really the point well, I feel like there's um, like a um, spiritual. Well, I guess it's like not a spiritual. I would say there's like a metaphor for it and a physical for it. Like they want to get rid of, yeah, the excess of cats because that's what you're talking is, about yeah. a lot. But I think the symbolic side of it for the actual movie is that the cats represent like, mm, like humanity maybe for all the for the town, like their innocence, uh-huh. and that was what. Kind of feeds into it. Yeah. That's why he was talking about how like the cats, the population is going scarce. Like it's actually getting smaller because the town mm-hmm. and all the like residents are kind of losing that humanity. That was kind of where I was taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of knew that like they obviously had, there was an excess of cats, but I didn't know if like is this really like just like the only reason why they're like going around and um killing cats feral cats and you know when as soon as you brought up like the metaphorical part i immediately thought like you know these cats are like really have like they're doing no wrong whatsoever and it's like you know the the almost like 
evil like humanity of like the people living here are like trying to get rid of what innocence is exactly. left. Just executing them just for the sake of money, like everything, just capitalism. Yeah. All that. Like it's, a, it really is a giant yeah. metaphor. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, Tumblr and Solomon, um, ask for glue <laughs> from the grocery store guy, which they use to get high, um, through huffing classic and yeah, <laughs> very classic. Um, so then you get an like you then we get a scene in another junkyard in broad day where you have two kids playing cowboy and they're destroying things in a junkyard, you know, just like random um hood rat shit, you know, that kids do at this age. And um Rabbit arrives and then the two kids shoot him dead with cap guns and rabbit plays dead and like the boys like basically curse at him and like they hate rabbits um they rifle they rifle through his pockets then they remove one of his shoes throw one of his shoes and then they grow bored and just leave <laughs> rabbit in a puddle yeah just leave him <laughs> like there. look at his ears <laughs> yeah look at his ears i just yeah. talk shit on him I the hate rabbits <laughs> yeah the entire time and so basically um you have Tumblr and Solomon who are now trying to track down track down the boy who is um poaching their cats like quote unquote theirs like yeah they have like a staple on the cat I guess so they want to be a monopoly (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so um you know they find Jared and um he reminds me of like a thrash metal kid he has like the cut off battle jacket um with a bunch of um um patches on it and the old school Tyson so, all american rejects hairstyle <laughs> yeah yeah and so jared explains that he's poisoning the cats rather than shooting them like he's putting glass and um poison in tuna and you know he's killing them that way and this is where like one of my favorite scenes of the movie is that um i'm gonna bring up the exact song title because i don't want to get it wrong because it's like my favorite song from the soundtrack as well um you get this collage scene of this song which is a black death metal song called give the human devil his due by mystifier and it's a collage with you know them breaking into Drod's mm. house and it's it's like it just feels so freaking primal and it's just like it and like them just like doing random shit around town like people people puking outside of like a bar and stuff like that and so they're breaking into Drod's house with masks and weapons and with intent to hurt him and um they like he's not there they go into his room they find um they find pictures of him that he is actually <laughs> uh yeah he's cross-dressing he's got pictures of himself and you know women's clothes with lemon's lipstick and stuff like that um and then yeah just basically you find out he's probably either bisexual or gay um he has a lot of like he has a like, a men's magazine which like playgirl yeah he had a, he had a um, female a one way. and a men's one yeah so most likely he's bi or gay and um then <laughs> solomon like takes his one of his socks and <laughs> just replaces it with his own like he throws his socks into his lawn laundry yeah. um hamper and then takes his, takes his socks. big tall white um, socks <laughs> Yeah, and then so they find his elderly grandmother who is um catatonic and um attached to a life support machine. Um, and basically, you know, just saying that, like, you know, she's been dead for a long time, like, she may not be dead, but she's been dead for a long time. And you know, Jared is forced to care for her. Um, and you know Jared th- th- mentioned earlier that he was discussing that he had to change her diapers and stuff like that. Um, and seeing that Jared isn't home, um, you know they shoot the grandma in the foot 
to prove that like she doesn't she's not gonna feel yeah, anything BB gun. and stuff like that. Yeah, they shoot her in the foot with the BB BB gun, like they lay on the bed with her and stuff. And they whack her. And so they just <laughs> Yeah. And like do they do they unplug the life machine? They just turned it off. Is that what they did? Yeah, they turned off the life machine. And which is pretty fucked up. <laughs> really fucked. Yeah, it's really fucked. And yeah. So they leave after that. Um yeah, they basically say like this is no way to live and stuff like that. And like I can't even imagine like Jared like coming home to like like just her dead. Your grandmother's like and her life machine unplugged, like, dude, the what hell? would you even do? <laughs> like, yeah, um, like, call the police. Hey, um, my grandma was on a life machine, you know, someone broke in and unplugged it. <laughs> like, what the hell? It's just um, so fucked. Um, so then you get like at this point, you have a lot of different scenes, like intertwined with the movie like you get a scene where it's basically just a um a man flirting with a gay dwarf was that Han and like this whole scene of... was it i don't that think so cameo? i thought he had a cameo in each movie he did he did i can't remember which one it is though but so basically you just have this drunk man flirting with a gay dwarf and He's trying to, you know, make a move on the the dwarf, and he doesn't want to necessarily and stuff like that. It, you know, I mean, I understand it. The scene, like you're, it's like another scene of just like showing the, um, you know, lives of the people around town. But like, I didn't really get anything from the scene at all. Me neither. Um, it was a little random out of nowhere because he yeah. wasn't even a part of. Yeah, the, it was very like, cast, like the main cast. That was the only time I think you see him. Yeah, not the dwarf, but the other guy. Well, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then so and then you get another scene where um Solomon and Tumblr go into this guy's house. Basically he's pimping his disabled sister. Another fucked up scene, yeah. Oh, that was This the, like this this movie was extremely fucked because you don't really realize how fucked it is until you get to see her. Yeah. And like like you know they're coming in, they're paying him to have sex with his sister and then you realize she's she has mental retardation and it's just like dude what the hell and you don't see it coming it's one of those shocks yeah in all it, it's definitely just like and it, like it really shocks you like dude what <laughs> like this is definitely one of like the most i would argue the most fucked up scenes in the movie and like you don't even see like the stuff happen but like you know it's yeah. happening and it's yeah it's really fucked um you get a then, bunch of those other like weird cut in asides that go you in have also. you haven't yeah you have another cut inside which is another really fucked up one where the sisters are talking about um this one sister no it is just this random i don't even girl. think it was yeah i don't think um, it was basically one of the sisters. Talks, yeah it's not it's not basically talk uh, this random girl talking about how her dad molesting her basically you know saying that like you know since i'm your father it's all right and you know i'm gonna make you feel good and stuff it's just like you know like this is like this is like some of the kind of disturbing material like you do get a good amount in film um and it's just like it never gets like it never gets not disturbing. It's it's especially with how Kareen and um the editor Christopher um Tellison edit ed, edits it. Like you see the girl and then as she's like talking about like the really disturbing details, like you get the edit of basically the yeah, father like staring into the camera in these like looking creepy as hell. And it's just like dude, it's just like dude. Like, but I love know. how he makes all the and then, like, little asides that they have in the movie where it's all the random citizens. It's all filmed with like yeah. home video footage, like VHS. Yeah, style. it's yeah he, yeah that's what he did. Like 
this movie's like shot on like like four different things and you know that was a really really disturbing scene just like you know this stuff's already always disturbing but the way that's edited with like you know the father staring into the camera at the end is just like dude if if this wasn't already disturbing enough like that that was yeah it's like one of those things you're looking into like the eyes of a literal monster basically yeah and then so you know you get to meet uh solomon's mother uh as like solomon's at home he's like taping a bunch of um silverware together and then he goes down and he's like lifting weights with it and he puts on this the song by madonna and you know and then his mother comes downstairs and basically says you know you shouldn't be lifting while you're growing you could pop out your elbow then tells um well you got this like their basement is a downright disgusting hoarder's paradise yeah and like then his mother finds his father his father's um old tap shoes basically you know telling um the story about how his father was a tap dancer and he was really good at it and stuff like that um i don't there's a really weird relationship with Solomon and his mother. She in seems this a film little off. Because I definitely. But like I through Sol the actor who plays Solomon and stuff, like you can never really tell if he likes his mother yeah. or not. And he's always very just like when she's there with him, he's always just like kinda like he's just there. Yeah, he doesn't seem to show and any emotion. Nothing about more. Or her. At all. Yeah. And, you know, that's especially apparent in a scene a little bit later. But, like, you know, in this scene, like, she's telling him, like, I just want you to smile and stuff. And then he never does. He completely ignores her. Um, then you get another scene of these, um, like, this brief conversation with a tennis player. <laughs> like with the three sisters early in the movie basically you know treating his ADHD and stuff like that um then you get another one of my favorite scenes in the movie well this is a lot of people's favorite scenes in the movie is you get this um scene of Solomon um taking a bath and his bathroom is downright Same disgusting water. <laughs> you have like yeah the bath water is literally almost pitch black with a hint of green um a lot of people's like one of the fa- people's favorite tidbits is like there's a piece of yeah, bacon sta- taped like, to the wall on taped to the wall and you know his mother basically answers the door to these two twin boys selling candy and they're door to door at age which, like eight years old the carn artists, <laughs> yeah they're just they're like you early. know we're selling you were selling these candy bars like for all the proceeds are going to cancer and stuff like no <laughs> like they're just they're like hustling money for themselves and stuff like that and then so you know she gets um Solomon a candy bar and he's in the bath water eating spaghetti, drinking milk, and eating this crunch bar. And the way he eats all the all of his food is just, you know, it's just... It's bo- very it gross looking the way he <laughs> like, eats. And he drops the candy yeah. bar in the fucking water and picks in it up and eats water. it. And then I was picked, like, yeah. oh my god. Just, <laughs> I was just sitting there. It was disgusting. And, and, on, and even on, like, on top of it, like being like like proper hygiene and like his mother washing his hair everything going on while washing your hair just makes Mm -hmm. it even more disgusting as well just like i always yeah it's just like it's just so weird and it's just like dude like yeah just way he's eating spaghetti eating the crunch bar drinking the milk it's just like bro i just want to like the scene be over (laughs) yet (laughs) yeah and then one of my favorite favorite intersplice scene is like you get these like collage style um scenes 
with intertwining black metal with satanic rituals in the town. And I oh I just fucking love it so there was, much. Wasn't that that and, was the um, one all those were laced with the scenes about the people always talking about killing themselves with suicide. Yeah, because you get the slayer yeah. like and so, wrist cutting shot too. So you that's one of my one of my favorite shots of the movie and it's on it's a lot of people's favorite shots in the movie. You got you see this um forearm that's in, basically lacerated with the the band logo of Slayer, and you know they're talk just basically talking about you know suicide and everything like that, um, and you know you get a bunch of then you get like a scene where basically these this group of like extreme hicks I would just say extreme the whole hicks movie you know is talking hicks. about. <laughs> Yeah, but you even get it bigger because like this scene is filled with a lot of racism, basically talking about how they they want to kill black people and stuff like friends. that. And yeah, well, it's not the same group of people. No, the, 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 the first one that happened that was the that's what happened. The guy was talking about how like he hates them and he didn't like them and you want to kill them all unless you have a good black friend or yeah. whatever. And then the and the chick was like, yeah, oh I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, black friend. And it's just like, what in the world? Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I said like this is like the extreme hick stuff because like you know, using a hard R, you know, talking about killing black people. It's just like yeah, I kind of expected something like this in the movie, but still doesn't make it any better. Um, then so you get another scene with this is well first I kind of brushed over one of my favorite scenes of the movie was earlier in the film. Um, Solomon's talking about these two brothers who apparently killed their parents and are just living by themselves um, while going to high school and stuff. And basically, you got these two brothers who are like constantly lifting weights. And <laughs> like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is just basically like these two brothers basically beating the shit out of each other, kitchen. like punching each other in the face and everything, <laughs> like literally, literally beating the shit out of each other. And you know they're doing it the whole time. And then it the ends, and they're like, "What are we having for dinner?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then, but so later in the film, you get another scene where you have these group of people, like only one you've met at this point, and that's the the gay dwarf. Well, the kid was there, um, the Solomon's friend all... that helps him kill. Oh, dude, you're right, you're right. Yeah, you Sol- yeah, Solomon's there as well. Um, but so basically, like, there's just a group of people having a small party, like, um, arm wrestling each other, and one of, like, the bigger guys, um challenges the gay dwarf to an arm wrestling and the dwarf and beats so, him and he gets breaks so the pissed whole off. He like breaks the table and stuff like that. And then like and then they're like he's like, you got any more beer? And you're like, no. And he's like, fuck this bullshit. Fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Then you get a scene of them like wrestling at this one guy wrestling a chair and basically like, you know, demolishing it taking out the cushions and like it's just one of the most unnecessary things i've ever seen and and all like cheering them on and just like they're bending the chair and stuff like that yeah and so then you get to the point where another scene where solomon tumbler are uh, sitting on a roof and they're basically um talking about um tumblr's older sibling who's um they call him a queer um you know he basically um he's basically transsexual who wants to be um a woman you know he dresses in woman's clothes and then um he he's living in the big city and he has a boyfriend as well um and basically, you know, his brother kind of abandoned them and their family. And so now, towards the end, you get a bunch of, like, intersplay scenes of Solomon and um, Tumblr going around shooting cats, killing cats. You get another and suicide montage you get, also. Like, yeah, you want to touch on that? Because well, I can't like, remember that it's one. It's just like specifically. it was the more contrary one where they have the suicide scene, and then all of a sudden, after 
the end of all the suicide talk, like there was the spliced VHS footage where the person was like, but life is actually beautiful. And it's like a whole bunch of illusions and uh, beauty, basically. Which, I mean, I thought uh-huh. was uh, kind of just a really Harmony Korine thing because he likes to have a whole bunch of contradictions throughout his movie. Like any movies, he just likes to touch on mm-hmm. polar opposites, basically. It's like a yeah. cinematic version, I guess, of bipolar disorder. It's just like constant death uh-huh. and sorrow. And then next scene, it's like, but life is actually beautiful. And it's just a whole bunch of beauty and illusions. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I like, this is like definitely a part where in the movie where I was just like, they're Solomon and Tumblr, you know, shooting a dead cat, like repeatedly. I was like, Dan, it's just not. I don't want to watch. This is like, the scene I, I was talking that. about. Though, when you talking about like, when it's raining and the, the crying yeah. is playing in the background. The song. Yeah, yeah. But that was yeah. that was foot foot. Yeah. And that was what I was. Yeah, um, it was foot foot. Yeah. My theory is what was going back to it is that foot foot was. That was the only cat you saw them spare at the beginning, and then because they were like, you know, don't shoot uh-huh. that bitch. It's a house cat. But, but then it's by the end cat, of the movie, yeah. they knew it was the same cat because it had the name tag on it. And they were still shooting it, and they killed it. Um, and I feel like that was Harmony Kareen basically saying that was their final lifeline. That was their last chance of redemption, and they, they killed it. And that was why I was saying Foot Foot was like the pendulum, because he was – that was their last bit of humanity, and it was they they destroyed it. Edison here with the <laughs> that's fucking what, That's what I got man. from it, because that's the only reason I saw that Foot yeah. Foot was such a big importance, because that was the girl's – cat and you know they lost Uh it and then they even knew whose cat it was and they still killed it for the money so it's like that was their last chance and that's why it's raining and you got that song crying playing in the background they lost their final act of redemption just burned it at the stake basically yeah and also before this um you get a scene where the three sisters are um going around town asking people to search for the cat and they get picked up pedo. by this this guy Damn pedo. yeah and he and he makes a move on one of the girls and you know they start punching him and stuff they get out of the car and he's basically like you know it's nothing different from the stuff you guys usually do yeah. with whores and stuff like that it's not any different it's, and you know that was a tough scene not gonna lie just with the way that the guy acts it all out and stuff it's just like it, yeah it, it's no. not very comforting the polar opposite of that at all and so after they're done killing foot foot um you get basically a you know this um fuck it's the scene of the I forgot the name of Be, this this why before that so you get um this wide shot of um rabbit running towards the screen with yeah the dead cat foot foot basically holds foot foot up to the screen and you see the name which that remind me of the final scene from um, uh, one of the one of those old movies the train robbery movie when at the yeah the great train robbery the that reminded me robbery, of the yeah. scene at the very end the last scene where he shoots at the camera like he's shooting at the audience that's what it uh-huh. reminded me of foot foot bringing uh i mean rabbit Interesting. bringing foot i didn't foot think about screen, that but basically yeah, no, just showing yeah, the audience yeah. like that was what i mean by how the importance of yeah. foot foot that was their last bit of humanity dead basically mm-hmm. yeah and then you get the final scene of this girl um you know shaving her eyebrows um singing Je- jesus loves me well, she shaves her eyebrows first um, and then and it's unclear the scene where she's laying in the yeah. bed with another woman i'm guessing it's a family member it's either her apparently apparently it's either her mom or her sister and it's not really clear. Um my cat won't leave me alone. <laughs> but <laughs> and it cuts to black as she's seeing Jesus loves me and being told no, go to bed. And then but I love it, it's like you got Jesus loves me, then it literally splices to an extreme. Yeah, heavy another metal example. Song. I was like, yeah, that's another what I wanted. Let's go. Like, he does. Let's go. Yeah, I, yeah, and I was like, dude, let's go. And another cool tidbit about the soundtrack is, like, there's a track labeled 
the Gumo love theme. And it's a, really? a power violence song. <laughs> like I didn't even know that. Yeah, it is. And I was like, yeah. Um, also one of my favorite death metal bands, Mortician, was supposed was supposed to be in the film, but the scene that the song was in was cut, sadly. Why was it cut? But, Do you know? Yeah. That no, I think uh, it was just, just a deleted scene or whatever. I don't know. Well, Harmony Korine said he literally had an additional four hours of footage they could make two of course more movies he out of for this for Gumo. He kept filming. He was probably just filming the entire <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, a little cool thing about this, like there was a there's a 40 minute short film called The Diary of Anne Frank Two. That's basically a lot of collage stuff with this like extra film footage from this movie. Um, I don't know if it's I'm called the Diary of it, Anne Frank I'm too. Um, I need to see yeah. what that's about. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm gonna watch it soon, but I'm definitely gonna watch it eventually. Um, but yeah, I mean that's pretty much Gumo to a T. Um, you know, let's talk about the themes a little bit. You know, there is a broad range of themes in this movie. You cover drug abuse, violence, homicide, vandalism, mental illness, poverty, self-destruction, um, homophobia, sexual abuse, sexism, grief, prostitution, and animal cruelty. And like the romantic notions regarding America Capitalism and, for sure is yeah. definitely a big theme in this movie. Yeah, and one of my favorite things about like this movie is Corrine's comments on the films. Like Papa said, you know, America is all about recycling, and this interpre- interpretation of Pop, I want you to see his kids in Bone Thugs and Harmony's T-shirts and Metallica hats, and also the schizophrenic I identification of popular imagery imagery and how these people in this town relate to it and you know i think going along with that is just like all of those themes just go so well together it's just portraying this really um really just twisted town of xena in ohio that has that has not not been hand handed a good hand at all and you know one of my one of also like going into your analysis as well like towards the end there's another inner splice footage of more tornadoes and i honestly think like you know this this town's never gonna yeah they're just gonna constantly regress they're gonna be stuck in that yeah and you know yeah, they're never going to get out of that out of that notion that you know this is like like literally like the rock the rock bottom of I feel like that's America one of the reasons he used way. metal was to like metal music cuz it's like they're stuck in this hopeless pit essentially. Yeah. They're stuck in the abyss and there's really every chance they have of escaping yeah. they just throw themselves back into it basically. Yeah. It's it's like almost like what's a better thing to use to portray that yeah because it's one the, metal. always one of the <laughs> like, biggest themes of yeah. metal music is like you know like extreme hopelessness and essentially death, all that type of shit um and you know this movie really got was like the definition oh yeah divisive <laughs> like, i was actually really surprised was. how high the score um, was on letterbox i thought it know, was going to be lower well, it was a three was point six. I really box? thought it was going to be lower than that. See, I understand. I un- honestly understand the score in Letterboxd, but I also understand the scores in general. Like, like through Rotten Tomatoes, it's thirty six percent and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I understand that. Like, I understand both. Like, I understand how a lot of people who are more into film on Letterboxd high have it higher ranked than like you know the general audiences and stuff like that you know this is this movie i feel like if anyone ever listens to ron tomatoes it's a red flag (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) um but you know that's gumo it's a movie that is definitely 
um, a very uncomfortable one, and yeah. that's kind of an understatement. Um, it's when I think about this Gumo as a movie, you know, you have the way the collage style and the themes um, are portrayed. You know, Corrine does an absolutely phenomenal job. Um, but as a, like a whole kind of together, it's just, you know, this is kind of like, you know, an average movie with a lot of cool ideas that, you know, I'm, I'll definitely be thinking about in the long run. But I don't know. If, that's, like, I'm never yeah, gonna say that's I how I feel about it. I think it's a, you know, I think it's a decent effort, and I thought it was a good movie. And I, I mean, I made it all the way through the movie without getting bored. But I also, at the same time, think there's yeah. a lot of empty space to add on to all the good stuff that was in the movie. He kind of counteracts it with a lot of empty scenes that yeah. I didn't really think were necessary. But again, that's up to director's discretion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, especially with Harmony Kareen, like, people are always going to debate the content that he puts forth. It's hard to believe the same guy made Beachbone. (laughs) Yeah. I love Beachbone. But that's also a great movie. I love (laughs) Beachbone is an amazing movie. Yeah. All right, guys. Um, Addison, before we go. Since kind of last time, I kind of strayed away from your pick of Henry the Portrait of the Serial Killer. I'm going to let you pick the movie Oh, God, again. I didn't even think Go about ahead. it. <laughs> what are we going to watch for next time? I was thinking Cannibal Holocaust. Ooh. A classic in the disturbing cinema podcast realm. Exactly. And, and I am totally down for it. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I... um. I felt like this was a really strong episode, um, and I can't wait to talk about this movie because this movie's going to be fun. I agree. I can't wait All to right. talk about Cannibal Holocaust. Alrighty. As always, thank you guys always for tuning in. Um, we, we appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye-bye.